not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, hey, Rick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell & Whale, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance, and Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. And today we are pleased to be joined by Colin Simpson, who is the CEO of the Insurance Brokers Association of Ontario. And um, I think a lot of folks know you, Colin, and thanks very much for joining the show. I'm going to get Jeff to jump in and do our little speed round here. But before we do that, I want to, on behalf of the crew here, Give a big shout out to our season three sponsor, IFS Premium Finance. And as most of our listeners know, all the uh, proceeds uh, from the DIPP go to WIC. So uh, good cause all around. And uh, I'm going to shut up with the advertisements and let Jeff jump right into our speed round. Jeff, over to you. Hey, great. Thanks, Tom. Colin, thanks for being on the show. It's nice to be on a, 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 a meeting that we're not actually working on a, a big issue. So have a little bit of fun and talk about things, right? So we're going to start the speed round off with a few questions just so all our listeners get to know you. And again, everybody in Ontario knows you quite well, but we have some people right across Canada and the U.S. And uh, we just want to unpack who Colin Simpson is. So who is uh, who's your favorite Canadian band or musician? Seriously? You have one? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go worldwide now. The, the other option is we can go worldwide. Who's your favorite? Uh, worldwide, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, yeah, that's probably baby. David Bowie. David Bowie, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Good, yeah. great. Some classics. Uh, some Ziggy Stardust. There we go. David Bowie. Yes. Great artist. Uh, your favorite sport? Rugby. Really nice. Haven't played it for many years. The one I play the most probably skiing. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I've had a few chats with you when you're driving back from the, the ski hill, so that's good. Uh, I think one of your, was your son or daughter, one of them was a, a skier, right? Was on the yeah, ski both team. of them are. Both of them raced. Um, my son stopped racing when he was 16 and became a, an instructor, but my daughter's still racing. Yeah, good. Yeah, they haven't been to Steve's ski shop yet. We need to go to there. <laughs> uh, no, choice between beer or wine, what's your preference? It uh, depends on the day, mainly wine. And now are you an iPhone or an Android user? Yeah, my son's the Android user, and if anything ever goes wrong with technology, he always blames Apple. <laughs> <laughs> and our last question, when COVID is over, what's the one place you're going to rush out and travel to first? The UK. You go back and see my family. Great. That's in the speed round. I'll pass it back to you, Tom. We'll let you introduce yourself, your contact. A lot of folks know you, but maybe talk about how, how did you become the IBAO CEO? Yeah, so I've been in insurance. I'm actually a CA, so a chartered accountant by trade. Um, I got into insurance about 25 plus years ago. 
um, in the UK. You can probably tell from the accent. I've been here in Canada for 20 years, and I am Canadian. Um, I got involved. I've always been involved with brokers throughout my whole career. And I got involved with uh, the IBO after coming out from being the CEO of Kingsway Financial. Um, I set up a tech company, and just as we were selling that, I was I bumped into the then CEO of IBO, and he asked me to set up a telematics strategy um, for brokers in Canada through the IBO. So I did that for about a year and a half. Um, came out of uh, doing that, and was starting to do some other strategic projects in the insurance industry. And then there were some management changes at the IBO, and I stepped in as the interim CEO. Step back out again when another um, uh, CEO was appointed and that didn't work out. So I came back in again um, because there were so many challenges. I uh, offered to stay for two or three years and here we are four years on and I'm still here. Right. Right. Colin, I'm going to throw over to uh, uh, Steve, who is obviously not a member of uh, the IBAO and uh, see what Steve, uh, see what Steve has to say. Uh, go ahead, Steve. You mentioned advocacy and stuff like that. And Tom mentioned, so I'm not from Ontario. First of all, I do want to thank IBAO for a lot of the work that you do uh, trickles down and benefits us in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Atlantic Canada, and out west. So um, you, you guys do do a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to advocacy and, and stuff like that. And we, we follow your lead. Um, so thank you. Um, when you talk about IBAO adding value to business and the advocacy piece, when we, when we bring in technology to that equation, um, how are we advocating or how are our associations advocating? Are we doing a good job on a national level advocating on what we need with respect to technology, be it BMSs, connectivity, um, and so on. And I'll use an example, Colin, of where you guys have been awesome is there was a ultimate change that happened really quick. And that was paperless was getting launched with or without us. Um, and it, it, that, that horse was quickly headed for the, in fact, a couple of the horses were already out and you organized, let's, let's jump in and start to corral them before they go crazy here. So again, thank you for that. But that's just one example of the things that I'd, I'd like to touch on with respect to all the stuff that's going on with connectivity, the way insurers are giving us things, the way BMSs aren't, and so on. It is very difficult to coordinate activity that is in alignment with so many different businesses unless you work at it, work at it hard. Um, so, you know, one of the things we've been doing over the last few years, even, um, is on the technology front, making sure that we understand who people are in the industry, who to talk to, and who you need to speak to on specific subjects. So that if we do have a problem or a perceived problem coming up in front of us, that we know who to get around the table. So if that's something we're doing in, you know, the going paperless. We know who to get around the table. We know who... Um, you know, the influencers are, we know who the decision makers are within each company. Uh, we know who the brokers that we need to get on the calls to be influential so that when we actually strike a position, people pay attention and take notice of it. It doesn't mean that 
when you do something in a coordinated fashion, you get a coordinated result. Because if you imagine you've got, you know, the hundred insurance companies and the 600, um, you know, brokers, they're all in a race. They're all, you know, driving different cars on different ponies. I always use an analogy and it confuses some people that, you know, horses for courses. Some people get that, some people don't. And they always ask me, what the hell does that mean? Um, but, you know, you get your thoroughbred racehorses and then you get your donkeys. You don't put the donkeys in a race course, on a race course with the thoroughbreds. Are you calling Steve a donkey? Is that what's happening here? Uh, <laughs> You're right. I did get confused. I was lost. I... Is, is, there a, is there a better way to be proactive in the sense of um, getting in there w at the table somehow when these decisions are being made? Yeah, you know, I, I, I always love having conversations with people who like to tell others how to spend their money. Um, you know, it's their money. <laughs> they can do what they like with it. <laughs> but because it's, it's so diverse, it's not easy to nail it all. So, yeah, it would be great if we had a say in what the insurance companies did with technology and their billions across the industry. Um, but it doesn't always work that way. And each company is at a step with each other. So, you know, they're in a different cycle. So you talk about Duck Creek or Guidewire. I mean, the guys that started Guidewire a few years back, there's others that are just starting the project now. Some of the ones that have been most successful, successful aren't the ones you would have expected to have been most successful. Um, you know, the great shiny toy that was expected to be delivered at, a, at things like Guidewire hasn't been delivered. Um, so, you know, expectations and things shift as we go forward. The market shifts. Um, you know, consolidation happens at the insurance company level. So we have to deal with all of this stuff. But the easy answer is for us to continue to talk to each other, figure out where we need to go collectively as brokers and to continue to put the stakes in the ground and you'll get people down the path. Um, you won't get them all, you know, back to the horse race. You're not going to get them all across the line at the same time. You may find the donkeys having more fun than the thoroughbred. People may put the money on the donkey as opposed to the thoroughbred because they want to have the laugh at the jockey as opposed to the one that's crossed the line first. So there's, there's all sorts of emotions that get involved in all these things. And, you know, we just have to continue to discuss and try and do our best to make sure that our voices are heard. Oh, and I just want to say, every time I hear you say donkey, I'm having a flashback to Shrek. Yeah, I'm just calling uh, the broker flow project. I, I think it was a good example of you bringing the industry together, uh, getting everybody, getting the right people at the table, working through issues. Uh, the process itself was good to get people to think differently, collaborate. The broker flow wasn't a go forward. Uh, there wasn't a vendor. There was some friction that happened, but all that learning helped put us in a better spot moving forward. The uh, paperless issue came up and that experience, that process came out and Ontario took a lead with you and your team and every, uh, Adam and Steve and some brokers across Canada jumped into that initiative. And, uh, you know, as part of the committee, I think some great work's being done. I wonder if you could tell our audience kind of what the objectives of Go Paperless is, kind of our timelines and give us an update of uh, your feel. of One of the biggest challenges that brokers have is that if we do not um, have a collective voice, then you have to suffer what the market delivers you. And when that happens, you know, and certainly here in Ontario, we have a hundred different insurance companies. We're going to get a hundred different answers. It's just, just the way it works. And that creates a lot of havoc and chaos in a broker's office because you then have to do things a hundred different ways. And it was very clear that if we did not do something and did not try and coordinate the response to it from an industry point of view, you'd end up with a hundred different answers again. 
Um, every time an insurance company does something, they quite often don't uh, connect with what that does to your operations. Um, and although they're trying to do their best, they have your you know, best interests at heart, um, you know, each change in operational um, practice that they, they implement and think is the best thing for you sends you off in a different direction, whether it be then having to reach out to every single one of your customers, for example, um, as you know, we saw with Intake when they went going paperless or they, you know, you really leave it up to a choice or whether it's even the relief measures on the different ways that people have gone about the relief measures, whether it involves a lot of your time and effort, or whether they're just delivering checks. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of uh, ability for us to just have conversations around how to do things better. It doesn't have to do it the best way, but just do things better. And that's really what the Going Paperless Project is. There's a number of insurance companies that are very vocal at supporting, you know, the development of broker networks and, you know, where you want to go to, you know, from a technology perspective. Um, but they need to get a better understanding as to what that means. And Going Paperless is an ideal um, example of that as to whether... You switch everybody to paperless and you have to go back, whether you give the brokers the choice, whether, um, you know, the solution is a, a insurance company to consumer solution as opposed to a broker to consumer solution. Um, there's a real debate around, you know, how, how far do we really believe consumers are going to go to go paperless? The next stage of next phase of the, pro the project, as I was saying, is to understand more of the consumer requirements. Um, is to look at EDI standards um, to see if we can get some consistency. The EDI standards are not um, deployed consistently across the industry to get a better understanding of that, but also to then be able to provide a direction of where brokers should be going and where the insurance companies can support them to go to get consumers more digitally interactive with their brokers and hopefully get more um, take up on the Going Paperless project. Because it's a huge amount of paper that gets you know, churned out from our industry. It's, it's insane. And even personally, you know, every time I get, you know, from my broker, my uh, deck pages from the insurance company, I mean, it's like quarter of an inch thick each time. Um, so the amount, the amount of damage that does to the environment and, you know, the, the money that is going out the window that doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great timing uh, for this project, I would say, given, I mean, not that you want to give any credit to the pandemic, but the end consumer has been forced to become more digital, right? To interact uh, with various services, especially financial services, obvious ones to be digital with. And, and, you know, climate change is, you know, so the opposition and the desire to do something about climate change has really been gathering steam. And both of those things really support the whole paperless initiative. So I'm, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful and I expect that when you, do get some feedback uh, from consumers that, you know, they're, I, I, I'll be shocked if you don't get some really positive feedback uh, about the opportunity to go paperless. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, the interesting thing for me from doing the Going Paperless project, because this is a national project again that we're, we're leading, is just the regional differences. Um, you know, it's, it's easy, um, and I'll, I'll give you a bit of a laugh, but it's easy for somebody sitting in the middle of Toronto to say, well, we should all go paperless. But, you know, if you're in, you know, some of the outlying areas of Ontario or even other parts of the country where broadband doesn't even exist. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say that, but then doing it is something else. And the demographics as to, you know, who is or is not comfortable dealing with technology to go paperless. So it's not a hundred percent thing. And I, I say I'll give you a laugh, but it, 
I've had the worst time with you know technology. We moved house in August, still in the center of the city, but because we're in a slight dip, we've had to spend huge amount of money just getting our internet up and running properly. Not everybody has the luxury to do that kind of thing. So, you know, it really depends on where you are, what your circumstances are, and you know what what, what it is that you want. You're absolutely right. There is. There is no ubiquitous common answer across the board, whether you're talking about brokers or consumers, right? It's really about where where is the weight of that that going, right? So it's not you're never there's no time where you're going to be at hundred percent. Yeah, just you know, as the East Coast donkey. Uh, That's my new handle. Know, I'm I'm you're not losing that one. <laughs> F-U-A-M. Um, you said something that struck me, and it is if you don't have a collective voice then you have to suffer what they hand to you so you guys have taken the initiative here to lead a project the paperless project and again thank you for that but how do you feel about that um that collective voice and it being a trained and educated and astute collective voice on a regular basis all the time are we strong enough there as a broker channel to have that consistency and have that voice there all the time? If brokers could talk with one voice, you're bigger than any insurance company. You're bigger than most of the tech companies that you could really drive the direction that you really want your own future in. So you then back into the practical practicalities of, well, why, why does that not exist today? Um, one is that we've kind of got a bit of a fragmented association approach. We've got an association in every province. Um, the parent, that's not really a parent, but our sister association, IBAC, is not set up to do what you're talking about. We are the only association. So the provincial associations are the only associations that have broker members. IBAC has associations as members. So it's very difficult unless you have a national association that has the brokers as members to actually speak on behalf of brokers with one voice. <laughs> is that is that on the table or is that get talked about? Well, okay. So we have we have so I'll, let me just bring this back into Ontario, okay? Because we have a similar type thing with our um, affiliate associations, okay? We're all separate legal entities. We're all structured differently. We all have our different boards. We all have our different finances. We all have our different operating models. If we were set up as a parent legal entity with subsidiaries, and then your parents can tell effectively the children what to do and not to do, it would work and it would work a lot more efficiently. Should it be on the table? Absolutely. Is it on the table? I don't think so. Don't How do you think. get it on the table, Colin? Um, I think if we could all be party of one association uh, with one objective, which is to operate in the best interests of broker businesses, then, uh, you know, I, th I think we go much, much further. But, but Colin, I'm going to argue with you on this a little bit in the sense of, um, so I'm one of the Atlantic representatives on the technology committee at IBAC. And what I'm supposed to present in the framework of technology are the differences to Atlantic Canada. And the same thing from the Alberta rep and that. 
And guess what? We're having a real hard time finding technology-related differences across the nation. We're all talking about common issues. So when it comes to technology, let's talk about the technology voice. I know you said, like, it would function better if we weren't as fragmented. And there are certainly things. It's a bit of an antiquated system. You know, there were a lot more differences 20, 30, and 50 years ago, uh, region to region. But in 2021, when it comes to technology, be it BMS's connectivity and so forth, like, I've been there for five years, and I don't think there's been really a single issue that's come up that has been region regionally an issue to us in Atlantic or to somebody like that has to do with technology. So could we collectively put together a stronger voice with respect to that? One of the challenges that we have seen doing what we've done over the last few years is having the right people around the table. When you get the right people around the table, all sorts of amazing things can happen. So at IBEC, bearing in mind that the people that sit in most of these associations are volunteers. Unless you get the right people around the table, you're going to have a problem because this is nothing against the people that volunteer. But the people that volunteer want to do good for the masses. Sometimes the people you need around the table are the people that have a specific skill set that are not necessarily as interested in the masses, but are very good at what they do. So in order to get that leap ahead and to get that thing to move, you have to have different people around the table for different uh, purposes. Uh, and that is something we, we struggle with um, at the IBAO. Um, and, you know, you're going to see that at IBAC or any other level. Uh, the way we get around it is just through our knowledge of what people are capable of. Um, so, you know, we employ the vets that can understand who the nags from the donkeys from the thoroughbreds are on every subject. And just because you look like a donkey in one particular subject, you could be a thoroughbred on the next one. So, yeah, so, it's, so this is like a revolving door of different things. Um, so when you've actually identified that there is an issue, let's just say it's technology in a bubble, um, that you then really need to figure out who the people are in the country that you need to have around the table to speak on behalf of the brokers. And I can bet your bottom dollar is not the people that you have sitting around the table today. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. 
just there's so much stuff I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel, cast certified. Are you are you asking my opinion? Because because I'll tell you, I think that the uh, the IBAC Tech Committee as it is, as it structured today compared to five years ago is vastly different and way improved. There's more of us. There are different people, and and it, but it's taken a lot. You know, we now have resources like Tom's been hired. We have Kim Oppheim there, so it is different. It's progressing, but to me, a committee of volunteers on a national voice, a committee of volunteers that has turnover on a regular basis, like you, it takes you a year of quarterly meetings just to find the washroom and figure out if I should say anything or not at these meetings. And does a committee that meets four or five times a year, will they ever get anything done when they all have day jobs? So I, I guess my point is, does it, if it's a national voice, a national issue, and it's it's something that moves really quick, like technology. Should the resources be not volunteer? Because of what we do, you can't go one way or the other 100%. So you can't totally go to paid and you can't totally go to volunteer because you get different results. The problem with going paid is you, to be honest, the ability to understand what goes on in the insurance industry, because it's somewhat antiquated and fragmented, is pretty tricky. And the people that you would need to bring on board to do that effectively and have that knowledge are too expensive. So you're now into a hybrid of a mix between the volunteers and the paid. And that is generally the answer. And that's what we try to achieve at the IBAL. We know who we need to pay to get results and we bring them in. But we then need to know the volunteers that have the credibility in the industry for the subject that we're looking at, and it varies depending on what it is, to bring them in. So for example, when we had an issue with Facility Association and the trucking deductible back in October, um, we did the research as to who the biggest trucking and the most influential trucking brokers were we didn't just go to the biggest ones, the most influential ones. And they were the four or five people we tapped for the knowledge to be able to make the recommendations. So from a technology perspective, let's pick on the BMSs. We haven't picked on them yet. So if you want to be influential from a BMS perspective, you need to go to those BMS providers and ask them, who are the most influential brokers in your suite of customers that you really pay attention to and you listen to? You need to go out and grab two or three of them, get them around the table, get them on site, get them to buy into what you're trying to do so that they can then go back and influence the BMSs themselves. And it's the same with the insurance companies. So when we try and go through these projects, these large projects, we try and make sure that's what we do. We align up the influential brokers with the influential companies, with the influential tech companies. The challenge with the BMSs is they kind of, there's few of them, um, they're in more um, control over what happens or does not happen because there are so few of them and the, there's not much competition there. Um, so they tend to be a bit of a linchpin in getting things done. Um, but from the other perspective, getting the right people around the table is the, the key issue. Well, I guess my point, Colin, is like what, I, what I'm finding now is that the, 
the technology issues don't have borders. The biggest thing too is like, you know, we're starting to get one more collective voice at the IBAC table. The bench tanks picked up, the issues are communicated better and stronger. On mine, oh, well, what's going through my head is what you saying about having the right people at the table is we've taken on probably more than any other year, and certainly on a rolling 12, a, a lot of big projects. Who who do you wish was at the table? Okay, so it depends on the table. So let's become the technology table. So there's a number of influential brokers out there that um, are successful or have been successful at the, you know, deploying technology in the industry. So I've started to look at those. Um, you know, I, I could name names, but then, you know, I'll start upsetting people because you know, I haven't named the right names or otherwise. But there's probably a handful, four or five, that I would pick that tend not to be at the table. Or if they're at the table, they're only very briefly at the table. Sorry, Tom. I can interject quickly. If you yeah. uh, don't piss somebody off during an episode of the Digital Insurance Pine podcast, you're not trying hard enough. So, you know, I, I recommend you go ahead and name names. Well, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, we've already got one donkey. We don't need to do <laughs> uh, well played. You know, well played. Steve can be the donkey. Adam's got to be the nag. I've got to tell you. <laughs> I'm now googling what a nag is. <laughs> but no, you, you got the guys like Sharif. There's some brokers out there, and I, I, I'm gonna step out of turn here. But you got the Dalton Timmons guys that seem to have been relatively successful at deploying technology. Imagine what would happen if you actually sat down with somebody like Applied and said, okay, we get the brightest brains from all the brokerages that we can find. Let's say we've got a dozen of them around the table once a year. Let's brainstorm what the priorities should be. I'll tell you what the answer is going to be. Um, Applied will say, well, we know the brokers. We know the ones we want to talk to. And it's the same every time we talk to an insurance company with a problem. We have our favorites. The favorites aren't the problem. It's the masses. It's everybody else that's the challenge. So they need to um, open up their minds to hear from different people, but we need to present credible people. And that becomes the challenge. Um, and that's up to us to figure out who they should be. But that, that's the bit that's missing for me is really the strategic discussion at a central level to get that voice. There's not, there can't possibly be anything other more powerful of 38,000 brokers speaking on the same subject. That's uh, really, really well well said, Colin, uh, that voice of the broker and how it can be, you know, how can you access it? Because it, it is so powerful. And I know it's a conversation we've been having around the IBAC table relatively recently as it, you know, as it pertains to DX. What is the voice of the broker? Who, who can represent the voice of the broker and those are some really fundamental questions well in 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 defense of the insurers and the bms vendors until now unless we try to change things they're asking that question too because colin and ibao is you're you're having those meetings with ceos and you're meeting with jeff purdy or whoever it is maybe you get taylor Rhodes in there um but then IBAC is doing it too, and then Nova Scotia is having like, th- so there isn't one voice. So the the, the question right. is on their side too. Like, who who are you, and like, what does it look like, and and who are we answering to here? Yeah, it 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 comes down to you know it's it's tough. You have to get the right leaders in place. You have to get the right people in place to take you where you need to go. Um, 
and, and they become the voice. They become the point person for what has to happen. Um, you know, the if brokers are that keen to ensure that they can be the masters of their own destination, we're your associations. We're nobody else's. You need to tell us what you expect out of us. How did that last vote go? The you you held one that was kind of a new format and some anonymity, so people felt safe. Yeah, oh no, it was on a company issue. We had um, a large response, so we had um, pretty close to about a third of our members um, willing to step up and be counted on an, an industry issue. Um, but that's all you see. Uh, we heard from many, many more. Um, the difficulty that any broker has, and this is where the value of you know, associations come in, the difficulty any broker has is if you stand up and be counted, there could potentially be ramifications for you and your business contracts, um, depending upon what that topic is and how strong, you know, strong of an opinion you want to display. So, you know, there's always safety in numbers. Um, I, I, I am not a union guy. I don't like unions. I've never supported unions. Um, but, you know, so I would never use an association for leverage for negotiations, for example, on contracts. Um, certainly we help out trying to uh, agree terms um, and improve terms um, for both brokers and, uh, you know, insurance companies. But we're not there to make a final decision as to what is acceptable or not acceptable. Um, only you can do it. It's your businesses. But, you know, th there is a risk. So being an association gives us the power to have conversations representing many people. But you need to do it in a way um, that you understand what the desire of the people are that you represent. Um, so that involves, again, unfortunately, process. You have to go in. You have to talk to members. You have to have principal only calls. You have to have frequent meetings. You have to have questions and answers, polls. You know, what about this? What about that? What, you know, you have to get a better understanding as to who it is you represent. Thinking out loud here, I I said earlier that, you know, I, I struggled to find geographical differences when it came to technological issues. And you had mentioned, well, we need perhaps to look at, and you called them brokers like Johnson's and BrokerLink. And I mean, that's when you're going to get into philosophical issues about who's a broker, who's not, who should be a member, different associations across the country have different, you know, but like I said, there were very few, if any geographical differences I could find with respect to technology. I think that there's very few, if any, uh, hub to bub differences when it comes to technology as well. So if it's, if it's an applied epic issue and there's a box missing that everybody would love, it doesn't matter whether you're 400 million or 4 million. These are usually common issues, right? So perhaps the one place that the commonality could, that could exist and create the strongest voice of all has to do with the most common issue and that's tech. Yep. So let me throw it back at you then. So you sit on the tech committee at IBEC. Why aren't you more successful? Well, I think that we have been in transforming the tech committee as it exists today versus what it, what it was five years ago. Like there's 10 people now 
there versus four. We have full-time resources. We have, like Tom's new. Kim was there. So we're making progress, but it's not fast enough, and it's not a strong enough voice in an environment and an ecosystem that changes weekly. Biggest thing is we need to speak with one voice. I think that heard loud and clear. If we can channel that voice and get everybody on the same page and magnify that from the grassroots up, from the top down, we're, we're unbeatable, but that hasn't happened because we continue to get, as, as Colin, people mentioned, companies go and pick their favorites to get the answer they want. Vendors pick the answer to get they want. And then, you know, we are fragmented and they use the illusion of fragmentation to say, we don't know what to do, so we won't do anything. So that's paralyzed us. I kind of feel like there's momentum where the truth's coming out. We have the right people representing us and we're getting everything's channeled and the processes which Colin talk about are getting built. So we're going to move from the donkey stage to the third bread for results right but if, if you sit around the table as i've described and you have a process and you have the right people around the table then there should be very little to stop you achieving what you're setting out to achieve i think the challenge that you have at the moment with ibac and we're very supportive of what you guys are, you know are doing there for sure and very supportive of ibac and what peter's doing the issue is you don't have the right people around the table, the resources around the table, and you don't have the process. You, so you made great headway. You need to get more of these things together before you will make a bigger impact in a shorter space of time. Good, good point. Not the trifecti, right? People, resources, and process are all in the works. So great observation. You know, everybody's trying to level up, right? Like we're trying to, unfortunately, IBAC was designed to be a political organization to handle political matters it wasn't designed to handle technology. So that format doesn't necessarily lend itself well. So it's being adapted and molded right now as we speak. Yeah, but it's the right place to do it. I, I totally agree with you. It's the, definitely the right place to do it. We just have to get the process, the resource and the people together to get it done. That's, um, that, that's great. That's great feedback, Colin. And, uh, um, I, and I'm conscious that we're, uh, we're running into uh, sort of a bit of a time crunch here for folks. So, going to try to get us to come towards a close. Uh, so uh, we have a process for that. Um, so and we have the right people around the table. So I'm sure we can. We, I'm sure we can. <laughs> we, I'm sure we can land this puppy. Well, do you have the resources? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, so I, got, I got two things for you. One is uh, I'm going to give you a, a provocative question, and because you know, you've already volunteered to be the second donkey on the uh, on the thing here I'm, I'm going to get you to uh, so, uh, so the first question is the provocative question is we collectively the insurance or the broker channel spends a fair amount of money on on the bipper and as you mentioned there's you know tens of thousands of brokers and thousands of brokerage organizations and i'm sure everybody has got an opinion on the bipper interested in knowing what your opinion on the bipper is is it for the money spent is the channel getting value you know, could that money be spent elsewhere? Should we spend more money on the bipper? Uh, so, it, with that specific thing, give give us your thought process, and then, unless one of the guys wants to react to it, then take us take us into close with your uh, your perspective on life, the universe, and everything. Yeah, sure thing. And th this is my personal opinion, as opposed to the IBOs. But for every every broker that doesn't believe in the bipper, I could find you one that does. Um, it is one of these very emotional subjects that it was created many years ago, um, decades ago, um, to bring brokers together. 
Um, I think as an image, um, it could do a lot more. Um, value perspective always comes down to, well, what is it you're actually doing with those resources? Um, you know, could you do, uh, could you create more value from using those particular resources elsewhere um, for the masses? I believe you probably could. Um, for the bipper, I think you could do different things with it, to be honest, um, which if you spent the same amount of money, you'll get more value out of. Um, but again, you know, we, we I am not in control of that. That is an IBAC uh, symbol. Um, but as you'll see throughout all of the brokerages, certainly in Ontario, some do support it wholeheartedly um, and some do not. Um, I, I, I'm not necessarily um, sure what it is being used for right now is of the greatest benefit to those brokers that do not use it. Um, and that just is a question um, as to, well, what could you do with it and what should you be doing with it to get them to buy into it? And, you know, I'd love to have that discussion, but I'll probably take us an hour and a half as well. Yeah. And, and you know what, Colin, that's exactly what we're looking for is, is what, what is your view, right? We're not, we're not looking for the, the IBAO's stance or what have you. It's just you as a, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for a long time, who's got a grasp on the broker channel, got a grasp on consumer needs and insurer needs. You're one of the few who probably sees all those things. You know, what is your personal perspective? Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it definitely. I definitely put on some, you know, the list to look at for sure. All right, uh, guys. Anybody want to react to that, or can we let Colin get into his uh, closing uh, Jimmy Kimmel monologue here? Yeah, no, I agree. Monologue away. Yeah, I I love the broker network. I wholly support the broker network. I truly believe that we can do a collective. Um, much better job collectively getting 38,000 voices around a table to do what we need to do. We don't do it well. Um, we need to do it better. Um, I'm definitely up for the challenge and trying to figure that out. Um, I love to see brokers succeed. I love to see insurance companies succeed from the back of brokers. I love to see technology um, succeed on the back of brokers. But it's on the back of brokers. Like you guys have to um, succeed. I think you form a, a, an incredible part of our e economy and our ecological system. Um, and you know we need to figure out how to strengthen that and continue to move that forward. Awesome. And I uh, I hope that uh, that's coming from the person who uh, is president of one of the you know the biggest association in Canada. I am super enthused that that's your passion. I mean that's says to me that IBO is being well shepherded. I do have one last question for you. Did you get your, your delivery of Garrison's? We you did. did. Awesome. All right. So a uh, big shout out to uh, Garrison's and their number one supporter, Steve, out there in Nova Scotia. That's so, awesome. um, oh, number two supporter there in Adam. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for mine. I have in the stick, so I haven't got yeah. mine. Maybe tomorrow. Jeff gets great internet, but bad beer delivery. <laughs> Colin, I uh, very much appreciate your time on the Digital Insurance Pint podcast and uh, wish you all the success in the future and uh, get that Go Paperless project done. We will. We'll do much more now. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.